Thank you for downloading Pastor Reza Safa's audio podcast from the Apple iTunes Store. Whether listening on your iPod, your tablet, or your computer at home, we pray these messages are a blessing to you and aid you in your spiritual walk with Christ. For more information on Pastor Reza's teachings and ministry, please visit www.rezasafa.com. It says in verse 16, And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper, that He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you, and notice, and will be in you. He will dwell with you, and He will be in you. You know, everything we hear these days, we have to judge it in accordance to our two covenants, the Old Testament and New Testament. The Old Covenant, I've got a new thing. This, this teaching we're doing on, again, on new creation realities. This subtitle of this message is two area codes. I'm getting smart. I'm coming up with this new phrase. Two area codes or two addresses. Is that right? You say addresses. You can say plural, right? Addresses. Two addresses. The Old Testament, listen to this. The Old Testament, the Old Covenant had two addresses. Two area codes. Zip codes. Well, area code still means you're two different areas. Two zip codes. Same thing. It was, anybody knows those two zip codes in the Old Testament? That's very tough. you got to know a lot of the Old Testament to know. <laughs> but let me tell you what they were. See, in the, in the desert, Israel walked for 40 years. And during those 40 years, wherever they, they landed various spots and pitched their tents. First was the tabernacle tent and, you know, all the all the stuff that was involved in it. And then Israel was commanded to camp around that. The tabernacle was pitched right in the center of Israel, the, 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 the 12 tribes. And the tribes had to pitch their tents, three of them in north, three in the east, three in the west, three in the south. Twelve of them, all 12 tribes all together. Now, I never thought about this in detail. Sometimes you say things and you don't look at it on details. But, you know, we're talking about two to four million people. Some say three million, some say two and a half million, some say four million. Anywhere between two to four million people. That's a lot of tents around that tabernacle. So, whenever, you know, various tribes like Dan, for instance, you have to look it up and find out which tribe was located where, and they had purposes and all that. Dan, for instance, was up north. I'm not sure if that's the case, but I'm just giving an example. So if you lived in the south end of the, your tent was pitched in the south end of the, uh, uh, the tabernacle, way south there, you imagine you gotta go through three, two million people 
to get to a friend of yours in the tribe of Dan up north. Now, they remind you that Tulsa, Oklahoma has only got 450,000 or 500,000 inhabitants. Of course, in that time, they didn't have highways and big roads, but it has to be some system for you to find your way to the tabernacle. You imagine going to the tabernacle and making a sacrifice, making a vow. You have to yank your goat, lug him all through all these tents with thousands of kids and animals everywhere, finding your way to the tabernacle. So there were two area codes or zip codes or addresses. One was the tabernacle. One was wherever you were. So God was in the tabernacle and you were outside. So it was the camp and it was the tabernacle. So everything in the Old Testament is based upon a formula of how to get to the tabernacle, how to sacrifice, what to do, what not to do. So it was always you have to do something in order to get something from God. But something happened when Jesus died on the cross. Go over to Matthew chapter 27, if you would. Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27, and in verse 50 it says, 49, <clears throat> The rest said, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. You know what this means? That means the Holy of Holies, the Shekinah of glory, God dwelling in the tabernacle presence was lifted up and went up to heaven. So the area code changed. It wasn't the camp and the tabernacle now. It was all one thing. There was only one thing left. The camp was. God was no longer in midst of his people God didn't exist in a tabernacle made out of hands any longer. And on the day of Pentecost, you all know what happened. The Holy Ghost came down, but this time he didn't go inside of a building. Where did he go? He said, inside of each believers. So there was no longer two area codes, no longer two zip codes, no longer you got to go there to get God. You gotta do this to get God's attention. God came and dwelt in us. I and God became one position, one place. God dwelt in me. Go over now to the book of, again, John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And in verse 23 says, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we, and we, who is we? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We will come, we, we will come to him and make our home with him or in him. 
So in the New Testament, we only have one area code. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. God dwells in us. Then why is it that we get up on the plane and go to Memphis or to Miami or to Los Angeles to go to some evangelist healing service to get something from God? Why is it that we have to send money to get a rag that somebody in an office somewhere, in a minister's office, cut into smaller pieces, and that evangelist lay hands on those smaller pieces of rag, and they said, we have anointed this with our anointing, and if you send money, we're going to send this prayer cloth to you, and you lay this prayer cloth or this shawl over your head, and when you pray, that anointing is going to come upon you. That's two area codes, see. That's what they used to say in the Old Testament. If you need something, go to the priest. The priest is going to make a sacrifice for you. And then you offer your prayer. And the priest is going to be there when you're saying your prayer or confessing your... Then the priest is going to grab it, blah, blah, blah. And then something is going to happen. That to me is two area codes. That to me is I always got to go somewhere else. Through somebody else. To get what I need. I was listening to a preacher, known preacher the other day, just for a few minutes. I couldn't handle any more of it. <laughs> Bless his heart, I'm praying for him. He was teaching about various anointings. I thought, wait a second. That's the Old Testament. I've taught about this. David was anointed three times. Fresh anointing. Every time somebody says about fresh anointing. It really bothers me. It's like Jesus grows old inside of me. And we got to revive him again. Let's revive. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> Come on, Lord. Come on. Wake up, Lord. <laughs> it's a wake up time, Jesus. Come on, Lord. Come on. It's some of the teaching are so ridiculous. You almost could laugh at it. Because it's, I tell you, 90% of what we hear these days, it's based upon the old covenant. It's based upon, we are not good enough to get it by ourselves. We have to go through somebody good enough to get it for us. Somebody who's got more faith than us. Somebody who hears the word of God got a word of prophecy for us. Somebody who is more anointing on their lives going to get it for us. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, in that day, you shall no longer pray unto me. Wow. But if you pray the Father in my name. He's eliminating, Jesus is eliminating everything that religion does in order to get to God. Entire elimination of the mediation of any kind, but aside from Jesus coming to the Father in the name of Jesus. He says, you don't even come to me and ask me for something that the Father will give it to you. You can go directly to the Father 
and ask him in my name and he will give you what you ask him in my name. That father may be glorified in the son. In other words, there is no hindrance between me and the father. We will come and make our home in you. Now that's, that's the power of the New Testament. Look at John chapter 17. These, these words are so precious. There's so much hidden in this John chapter 17. I've, I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for this. That we may, we may come to a place where we may get this and understand it and live it. Oh, this is so precious. Look at verse 20. This is all read. This is the Lord Jesus is talking. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you and I, Jesus, have interceded for us. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Father in Jesus and Jesus in Father. It's, it's a mystery. That's a mystery. We, we have to understand by the Spirit revelation. That they also may be one in us, meaning, likewise, meaning they in us, Father in me, Jesus in me, the Holy Spirit in me, and then I in the Holy Ghost, I in Jesus, I in the Father. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have done what? I have given them. Again, what tenses that have given? No, we discussed this last week. Present perfect. Meaning, an action began yesterday and the result of it is in operation today. Have given, I have given them what? Huh? I've given them what? What has Jesus given us? Are you sure about it? Then why do we say, oh, show me your glory? Then why do we say, Father, send your glory to this house? It's like I say to you, I have given you a hundred dollars to your bank account, and you come constantly poking me, say, can you give me a five dollar? I, I put a hundred dollar in your, can you please give me? Do you know God never gets involved with our foolish conversation with them? He keeps looking at the word. He says, I've given him your glory. Really, what we are asking glory, we're asking for something we feel it. That our body can sense it. That we get a goosebumps. When we get goosebumps in the service, we say, I feel God's anointing. I feel God's glory. We're basing, and this is what I notice in most preachings these days. They're basing their teachings on their experiences, not on the truth of God's word. 90% of our thinking, us here, believers, is based upon somebody else's experience. Because we'd rather listen to somebody than go and dig it up and study it and be in the Word and live off the Word. Because somebody's, hey, somebody's baking it for us. Why should I go bake it? It's too much. Go get those uh, honey buns or whatever they're called. 
give him a 50 cents and get it. You know what it takes for you to make that dough and all that honey, all that sugar, all that butter and go and make a mess in the kitchen for five hours and bake it? Go get it. 50 cents a piece. And so that's our mentality. We'd rather somebody else prayed for us than we get it. We'd rather somebody else laying hands on us to get healed than we get it ourselves. So we are always in a statehood of hand me down. Hand me, hand, give me, I need, I need, give me. And so therefore our prayer lives is incorrect. I don't want to say this. I have to be careful saying this. But a lot of people's prayer that I listen to is not in accordance to God's word. They're praying their knowledge that is based upon an experience. I kept listening to a song, a very famous CD, anointed CD. And this lady singing, show me your glory. Show me your, it was so, oh, I feel so good every time I listen to it. But I kept thinking, that's, there's something wrong with that. It's two address. It's two zip codes. Show me means he's there, I'm here. Man, it's quiet here today. I'm take, I'm, I'm walking into fresh territory. I have, nobody has talked about this, so it's everybody's wondering. But I'm just reading you the word. I have given them, I have given them the glory which you gave me. I dwell on that word all day long today. That we carry the same glory. Well, people think I'm blaspheming saying it like that. I'm just reading the scripture. Jesus says, I carry the same glory that Jesus carried when he walked on the earth. You dare to believe that. I challenge you to believe that. You know, my boy, we got involved with teaching him, talking about this new creation, that there is no sin in, the, in us. Jesus put sin away. He's started an entire discussion in his school, teachers including believe, they believe that we have two natures. What Paul says in Romans chapter 7. Have you all read it? I want to do something good, but then I found another thing in my nature. The law of sin. See, the problem with people is they're ignorant. And not only they're ignorant, but they're raw ignorant. You know what raw ignorant is? It's bad ignorant. <laughs> Very bad ignorant is they pull one verse out of Scripture and build it upon their experience because they're struggling with sin. But read Romans chapter. If you're quoting one verse from one chapter, read the whole chapter first. First of all, read the whole chapter. Romans chapter 7 verse 1, Paul says, I'm writing to those who are under the law. The whole chapter of Romans chapter 7 is talking about a man who once... He's under the law. He wants to do good, but he cannot because there is law of sin in him. But see, they don't read Romans chapter 6 verse 14. They don't read Romans chapter 6 verse 6. They don't read Romans chapter 6 verse 18. They don't read Romans chapter 8 verse 2. 
Just read those verses. See what it says. The law of life in Christ Jesus has set me or made me free from the law of sin and death. Romans 6.14, Paul says, Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. He says, don't submit to it. The moment you submit to it, then it will take control of you. But he says, don't submit to it. Don't give your members of your body to sin. But submit it to God because you now are no longer slave of sin, but you're slave of righteousness. See, having that mentality of failure, sin conscience that the church has been preaching for so long, that we're struggling our way, then we need glory. Then we need anointing. People come to me after service. They say, Pastor, we want your anointing. I'm thinking, what? Well, one to you. You want my anointing? I don't encourage anybody to follow me. <laughs> Dear God, the hardship I go through, you have no clue of what you want. Get away. Go away. <laughs> I rebuke him. Because you're in that state, then you always need somebody to help you. So now, notice. <laughs> Hallelujah. Notice what we are. We are, now I, I didn't say this, Jesus said it. Listen, given them the glory that you gave me. Oh, just dwell on that verse 22 for a long time. Verse 23. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. People use this verse for unity among the body of Christ, which is nothing but sense knowledge unity. They have no clue of what it says and what it means. And they say for us to be one. Now what does it mean that Jesus and the Father were one? Go over to John chapter 10, because this is the key this is important for us to realize this. Jesus said in verse 30, I and my Father are one. Okay, when you say Jesus and the Father are one, what are they one in? They're one in spirit. One in spirit, right? Okay, hold on. First Corinthians chapter 6. I'm just going to bring this up out of, as, as, as you say, see if I can find Bible scripture for it. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. Hallelujah. What does it say? Read it with me. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So if the Father and Jesus were one in spirit, then you and I with Jesus are what? One spirit. So, so the same as Jesus was one with the Father, that means that same way I am one with Jesus. So if Jesus is one with the Father, then I'm one with the Father. Number two, what are they? What Jesus, what is Jesus and Father are one in? Huh? We just said in spirit. What else? In the word, isn't it? What Jesus says is what the Father said. We have, we have discussed it. Go over to John chapter uh, 14 again. John chapter 14. Now, we're gonna, we're gonna discuss this on many things that 
we don't have time to look at it today, but we're going to bring two things here out of these two verses. John chapter 14. Notice in verse, uh, verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and it is sufficient for us. See, that's two address. I'm here. Jesus here. And the father over there. So they said, we've seen you, but we haven't seen the father. See, that's the Old Testament. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to tune in next week for a new audio download of the Day of Salvation audio podcast. For more information on Pastor Reza's teachings and ministry, please visit www.rezasafa.com.